listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today, we're going to go deeper uh, and talk about this subject, which was, if you saw the uh, title of the broadcast, establishing a victory mindset, an overcoming mindset. This is probably one of the most important thoughts that I could ever convey to you as a believer. What we're going to cover today, that's why I've asked you to share it. This, this, what, what we're going to cover, it's got to be one of the most important thoughts that you could have or thought processes that you could have as a believer. Um, so much in your life for Christ revolves around this, what we're going to talk about today, establishing a victory mindset. And so I really, really want you to take notes today. I really want you to help me in the comment section for those that are watching later. Those of you that are listening on the podcast, let me encourage you to get out a notebook and a pen, make notes on this today, because I can't stress hard enough how important that this subject is that we're about to cover. So I want you to I want you to deal with this with me. And as we're going through these scriptures, if you don't have these things highlighted in your Bible, if you don't have them underlined, today's the day. You don't want to miss this. If I could tell you, I mean, like, imagine if this is the case. What if I, what if I told you that in just the 20 years that I've been ministering, and of course my entire life, uh, I've been in church and around believers, what if, what if I were to tell you that the thing we're covering today is literally like the number one area that you see believers uh, fail to obtain their victory? What if I were to tell you that? Because it really truly is. And that's why I say it's so vital, it's so important, is that this subject we're talking about, establishing a victory mindset, and that doesn't even really scrape the surface of it but I'm going to go deeper with you today. It determines where believers are throughout their lives. If they stop growing, stop increasing, don't see the blessings of God. Many people are stagnant because of this very thing right here. And so we're going to cover it. We're going to talk about it, make notes, get it into your, more than anything else, get it into your spirit. Make this change. If you haven't yet, make this change in your life today, like immediately, because when I tell you it'll change your life, it absolutely will change everything about your life. Um, I'll, I'll start by telling you a story. Many of you know the story of, of when my daughter Madeline, who's here in the studio, uh, was in the hospital when she was younger, about eight years ago. And she was, uh, she was very young. And, um, we understood that the doctor said it was a serious, um, a serious situation, heart problems, blood disease, all of that. Well, I'm in the hospital. She's on a hospital bed. And my cousin Jonathan called me uh, while we were in the hospital. And uh, as he called, I talked to him for probably an hour and a half or something like that. And um, after we were done talking, he called his mom and was talking to her. And she said, well, I guess you heard that, you know, 
Teddy's daughter's in the hospital and they're, you know, they're in there, uh, you know, fighting whatever by faith. He said, no, I just, I just talked to him. He never mentioned it one time. We were just laughing and joking for the last hour. And I heard him tell that story one time when he was preaching, but truly it, 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 it centers around a victory mindset. It centers around where, I guess the best way to say it is this, whose report are you going to believe? Whose report do you choose to believe? And of course, our answer, we, we believe the report of the Lord. And so developing a, uh, a victory mindset, it will change your environment. It'll change your entire life. And so we're going to start today with that verse of scripture in Proverbs 23, seven, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But what I want you to actually write, this will be our text for today. Proverbs chapter four is where we're going to begin. Proverbs chapter four. And let me give you uh, verse 23. Proverbs four and verse 23. The Bible says, keep, or some translations, guard your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the issues or the springs of life. Your entire life flows from what is inside of your heart. This is very, very, very important stuff, man. Your entire life flows. What you even have the ability to do flows from what is in your heart. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something that the Lord showed me and dealt with me about, and that is this. Um, it's not about necessarily what we see or what we hear. You have five senses. Uh, everybody knows that, I'm sure. It's what you can see, what you can hear, what you can feel, what you can taste, and what you can... What's the fifth one? I've lost the fifth sense. <laughs> what you can see, what you can hear, what you can taste, what you can touch. What you can smell. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> smell is important uh, for anybody out there with COVID. Anyway, but when you, thank you, Aristotle. <laughs> when, when you are talking about, uh, when you're talking about faith, when you're talking about moving forward, what's in your heart, in all honesty, of the five senses, not all of them affect your heart the same way. Not all of them affect your faith the same way. Uh, for example, smell, the one that I forgot about. Smell is not going to affect your heart and affect your faith uh, like other, others in the five senses will. The same with taste. Taste is not going to affect your faith and affect your life uh, the same way in, in the, I would say even what you touch, what you touch is not going to affect your faith. The two main senses, obviously that affect your heart and affect your faith in your life are what you see and what you hear. Those are the two main areas that affect your heart, what you see and what you hear. And so we would consider them to be, uh, the two most important 
senses in the natural, what you see and what you hear. Well, why is that? Why, why is that? Well, what you see in the natural realm or in the supernatural realm will determine what you do, what you hear in the natural realm or in the supernatural realm will determine what you do. Those two things more than any of the others determine what you do. And of course the Bible tells us that. Did you know the Bible says we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so one of the things that's very important to remember is fear is not the opposite of faith. Sight is the opposite of faith. The Bible doesn't say that we walk by faith and not by fear. It says we walk by faith and not by sight. So if you're taking notes, put it in the comments today that sight is the opposite of faith. Sight is the opposite of faith. What you see in the natural realm is the opposite of faith because faith doesn't look at the natural. Faith looks at the supernatural. So vital that you get this. Faith doesn't look at the natural. Faith looks at the supernatural. And so let me, let me show you something that the Lord was dealing with me about yesterday as I was writing and I was in the midst of actually writing, uh, the book on fasting that's coming out very soon. And the Lord took me to the passage of scripture where, uh, Peter and the disciples were in the boat during the storm. And the Bible says, Jesus comes walking to them on the water. Jesus is walking on the the water or walking over the storm. And then Peter says, Lord, if it's you command me to come to you. You remember that story? He said, if it's you command me to come to you. And Jesus commanded him. He said, come. And so in the midst, now I want you to see this because here's the crux of the whole thing in the midst of the storm. The storm didn't change, by the way. The storm didn't change before Peter moved. It was still stormy. They still thought they were going to die. But in the midst of the storm, Peter steps out of the boat and steps onto the water and he's looking. Now watch this. He's looking at Jesus It's not that he couldn't see the storm. It's that he knew who was calling him, who was commanding him. He knew the one whose command he was obeying, Jesus, who does the impossible. And so it's not that he couldn't see the storm. He could see it. It's just that, and this this is what the Lord showed me yesterday, and I want you to get this. Put this in the comments section and let it be the basis for today. It's not about what we see or hear. It's about how we process what we see or hear. Catch that. It's not about what we see or what we hear. It's about how we process what we see or what we hear. And I'm going to teach on that for a moment in just a second. But notice this. When Peter stepped out of the boat, it's not that the, that the storm had calmed before he got out of the boat to go see Jesus. It was still raging. The storm was still raging. And Peter gets out 
and starts walking in the midst of a storm towards the master. But catch what happened now. Somewhere between the boat and Jesus, Peter began to change how he processed what he saw. This is huge, man, if you've never seen this. Somewhere on his walk between the boat and Jesus, Peter changed how he processed the storm. Because for at the beginning, he was processing it properly. Yes, there's a storm, but the master of every storm has called me out to him. And I trust his word. If he didn't trust his word, he'd have never stepped out of the boat. If he didn't trust the word of Christ, he would have never stepped out of the boat. And so at the beginning, we can know that Peter was properly processing what he saw. That's what it looks like in the natural. However, I have a word in the supernatural. Thank you, Jesus. I know what it looks like in the natural. However, I have a word in the supernatural. And so Peter, he gets out of the boat properly processing what he sees in the natural because of what he can see in the spiritual realm and understand about Christ and his word. But somewhere along the way, he changed the way he was processing the storm. He takes his eyes off of Jesus and puts them back on the storm again. And then he starts to think differently. Hold on a second. Now I'm out here on the water. These waves are massive. This is insane. I can't believe I stepped out of the boat. I can't believe I'm out here in the midst of this deadly storm. He starts to have faith in the storm. Oh man, catch this now. He starts to have faith in the storm. Well, what's the result of his change of process? He begins to sink. He starts sinking. You see, the moment he changed the way he was processing the information, he began to sink. Huge thought today. The moment he changed the way he was processing that information, he began to sink. It happens to everybody because Having faith in the wrong thing is fear. <laughs> That's, he, had a, he, he had more faith that the storm could kill him than he did faith that Jesus could protect him. <laughs> See that? It didn't start that way, but that's what he transitioned into. That's why you've got to be continually guarded about how you process what you're seeing in the natural realm what you're hearing from the natural realm. You gotta be constantly guarded about that because you can change the way you process the information. Let me show you something that I, uh, one of my professors taught me in Bible school that I'd never seen. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's my mom, love you mama. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But let me just say the, the Bible is giving us that verse of scripture. However, it's assuming something about us, the hearer. It's assuming that we believe to be true what we hear. And I'm going to prove that to you from scripture because faith doesn't just come by hearing. 
It does not just come by hearing. And I'll prove that from scripture. It, the Bible is assuming about us that we believe what we hear to be true. Then faith comes. Faith doesn't come just because you heard something. It, it comes because you heard it and believed that it was true. You know how I know that from scripture? I can prove it to you. Because look at Jesus' disciples. They were with him everywhere. Everywhere. If anybody was going to have the greatest faith you could have, it would be the men who heard every message Jesus ever preached. They heard every message. And he was the best preacher that ever was, the best teacher that ever was, Jesus. And the disciples heard everything he ever taught. However, what did Jesus say to them multiple times? O ye of little faith, where is your faith? How is it that you have no faith? You couldn't cast it out because of your unbelief. So how in the world, and I'll go further than that. Look at Thomas, who we've now labeled Doubting Thomas. <laughs> doubting Thomas was one of Jesus' disciples. But the Bible says that after he heard about the resurrection, what did he say? I won't believe it unless I can put my fingers in the nail scars in his hand. I won't believe that he's alive until I can see him and put my fingers in the nail scars. So he heard the gospel. He heard that Jesus was alive. Did he believe it? Did he have faith? No, no, he did not. So faith doesn't just come by hearing. It comes by hearing and believing as true the thing that you heard. Notice how you get saved. How do we get saved? If you will confess with your mouth and that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So notice this, you don't, it's not that you just heard some preacher preach that Jesus is alive. That's not enough. It's not enough to just hear a preacher preach that Jesus is alive. You have to, according to the Bible, you have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I can tell you he's been resurrected all day long until you believe it in your heart. It doesn't change your life has, it will not change your life. Do you know how many atheists have been told that Jesus is not dead? He's alive. Many. Hey, Ted, love you. Many atheists, many agnostics have been told Jesus is alive. They've heard the gospel message, but they don't believe it. They've chosen not to believe it from my perspective. <laughs> they've chosen not to believe it. So they heard the truth, but they didn't believe it. And so they don't have faith. Faith doesn't just come by hearing. It comes by hearing and believing what you heard. You see, so there's a difference there. I'll give you another example. You go back to the old Testament. We have the story of the 12 spies being sent into the promised land into Canaan. And they came back with different reports. Now, all 12 of them 
knew the report of the Lord. All 12 of them knew what God had said to his people. I have given you the promised land. It's yours. Go take it. They all knew that. They all knew that. God has given us the promised land. All we have to go do is take it. However, once they got into the promised land and started looking at things, 10 of them processed the information differently than two of them. There was a divide. There was a split in opinion. Why is that? The reason for that is because 10 of them saw the natural and believed what they saw in the natural. Two of them saw the natural, but still continued to believe what God said. You see that? 10 of them shifted the process. We're not able. We're not able to do it. They're giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. You understand? They processed the natural and had faith in the strength of the giants rather than faith in the strength of their God. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, clearly said, oh, yeah, there's giants in the land, but their protection is removed from them and they are like bread to us. We are well able to take the land. Hallelujah. We are well able to take the land. You see that? Their faith caused them to believe the word of God over what they saw. So they processed it differently. They saw the giants and said, oh yeah, there's giants there. We'll kill them. We'll easily kill them. They're like bread to us. We'll drive them out. It's our land. God said it. We believe it. That settles it. They, it's not that they were blind and say, well, you know, they didn't see the giants. They saw the giants because they referenced them. They are like bread unto us. Their protection is removed from them. And so they had, they both, all 12 saw the same thing, but not everybody processed it the same way. And so you have to learn how to develop an overcomer's mindset. If you don't do this, if, if you refuse to do this, to set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth, if you don't take control of your mind, your mind will take control of you. I want you to put it in the comments. If I don't take control of my mind, my mind will take control of me. Please put that in. If you haven't had a chance to share this broadcast yet, share this broadcast. It's important. If I don't take control of my mind, my mind will take control of me. And that's huge because unchecked, let let me do a small teaching on this. You're a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have a soul, but you live in a body. Three parts. You are a spirit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I crucify my flesh daily. So he didn't refer to his flesh as him. He referred to his spirit as him. You are a spirit. That's the eternal part of you. You are a spirit. You have a soul, mind, will, emotions, and you live in a physical body. Now your physical body 
will always be carnal until it's, you know, regenerated by God. Until you get a glorified body at the rapture. Your, your flesh will always be carnal. It will always want to do carnal things. It will always want to sin. It will always want to do what pleases it. Paul said in the book of Romans, there is no good thing in my flesh, not one, no good thing. But then your spirit on the other side has been renewed by God in salvation. It always wants to please the Lord. It always wants to do what's pleasing to God and obey the word of God. So the real battleground is your mind. Because until, if you don't renew your mind, hear me, if you don't renew your mind, you will lose every battle. Even as a Christian, doesn't matter. Does not matter. Even as a Christian. See, because it's the renewing of the mind. Listen to Proverbs 21, 16. One who wanders away or wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. One who wanders away from good sense or wisdom will rest in the assembly of the dead. And so you could be a follower of God and your life still look like a dead person or a sinner. You could have the results in your life of a sinner. If you don't renew your mind, if you don't take control of your mind, Paul wrote so much, so much about the mind wrote, he wrote very little, if, if anything on how to develop your spirit, because your spirit is renewed day by day. Paul wrote while the outward man is perishing, the spirit or the inner man is renewed day by day. It's an automatic process. Every day, your spirit man is renewed by God. Every day. Second letter to the Corinthians. Go look it up. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 4 or 6. Your outward man is perishing, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. You don't have to perfect your uh, spirit man. He's already perfected. The scripture panel was uh, Proverbs 21, 16. Proverbs 21, 16. Hey, Josh. So understand this. Your spirit, man, you have to still feed it. But notice it's your soul that also benefits when you're feeding your spirit. When you read the word of God, the Bible says uh, that God cleanses by the washing of water by the word. That is in Ephesians chapter 5 cleanses by the washing of water by the word. So the word of God's a cleansing agent for your mind. It's a cleansing agent. So when you ingest this mighty word of God, it begins to clean your mind, cleanses your mind, the washing of water by the word, the washing of water by the word. Every person needs to wash their mind daily by ingesting the word of God, by reading the word of God. You see, and so I want to, I want to deal with this because it's so important that we recognize that if we don't take control of the mind, that's why Paul said, set your mind on things above. You have to learn to set your mind. When I was a youth pastor, I used to teach my young people. There are two ways to set your mind. Number one, you've got to set it like a thermostat, 
But number two, you've got to set it like a DVR. Everybody was, had DVRs back then before there was, everything was streaming. Everybody was still using DVRs. And you would go in, if you remember, you would go into your DVR and there was any, whatever shows you wanted to watch, you would go forward uh, into, or you could just choose the show and say, record the whole season every time it's on television. You'd hit record and the DVR would record your shows for you before we could go back and watch archive streaming. And you'd set it. You'd set it to record. So I said two ways that you need to set your mind. Number one, set it to record the thoughts of God. When God speaks to you, you record it. You keep those things. When God speaks, you listen, you archive it. But then also, the other thing that you have to remember is that you need to set your mind like a thermostat. And you know how that works, is if you've got a room that's too hot or too cold, you will will adjust the thermostat and when you change the number on the box, after a period of time, it will change the entire environment in the room. If you set your mind first, it changes your environment. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks. You know what? Uh, do you know what the apostles said? They said, we believe, therefore we speak. We believe, therefore we speak. So let me get into this. Why is it so vitally important that we understand how this works? Because as I started out today with that verse of scripture, the Bible says, guard your heart above all else. That's the new living translation above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. For from it flow the springs or issues of life. So what the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So the creative force, catch this now, the creative force that you've been given as a believer is the force of your words. You have strength in your confession. You have strength in your confession. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. They that love it will eat the fruit thereof. There's death and life in the power of your tongue. So what you say is important. What you declare will change your life and your, and your uh, environment. But here's the thing, not everybody is capable of speaking a word of faith. Why? Why can't everybody speak a word of faith? Because not everybody has guarded their heart. And so as a result, they can't speak what they don't believe. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. So if you don't develop a victory mindset or mentality, if you don't have a word of faith in your heart now, then how can you speak what you don't believe? How can you declare and bring to pass what you don't even believe? You see what I mean? This is the point that many people miss. If I want to see God move on a consistent basis in my life, I not only must believe his word, I must fill my heart with that word and not only believe it, but the things that I believe will start to come out of my mouth. I'll begin to speak them. 
I'll begin to speak them. And as I begin to speak them, then the power of my words, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit they love. You'll experience the reality of what you declare. You can have what you say. Jesus taught that. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. You can have what you say. You can have what you say. You can have what you say. I can have what I say. Let me give you a practical life example. If you don't believe that God's a healer, if you don't have that word of faith in your heart, then when something comes against you, comes at you, you won't rebuke that sickness. You won't rebuke that disease. You won't come against that thing that's plaguing your body or your family. Why? Because what's in your heart is not going to align itself with a confession of faith. You're not going to, if you believe that sometimes, you know, God puts sickness on us to teach us a lesson or, you know, many are the afflictions of the righteous brother. And this is just how it, no, no. You look at what the word of God says. And if you believe what the word of God teaches, that sickness is an oppression of the devil and that Jesus redeemed us from sickness and disease, then you start to realize if it's attacking my life, I need to rebuke it. It's not God's plan. It's not his will. But if I don't have that understanding from the Bible, I won't speak what I don't believe. I don't have an overcomer's mindset if I've not filled my heart with the mighty word of God. And so what happens? My, my environment cannot be changed. My life cannot be changed. Victory cannot be mine if I'm not prepared to speak the right thing. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So important that we catch it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will will speak. Anytime you get around somebody, what's in their heart comes out. You talk to them long enough, what's in their heart comes out. If you get around people that love sports, that are always checking up on sports, always looking at their favorite team, always looking at the scores, always looking at the trades, always looking at the lineups, they'll start talking sports to you. They'll start talking about the games, they'll start talking about, start talking about the trades and what the team's doing. I, don't, I can't believe the coach has been doing that. Because they love it. It's in their heart. They filled their heart with it. They're going to start speaking about it. You meet somebody that loves movies and films. They're going to start talking to you about their favorite. Did you see this yet? Did you see this came out? Man, this was such a good movie. Did you see this movie? And they're going to talk to you about what's the, in their heart that fills their heart. Whatever they filled their heart with. And when you meet people who have filled themselves with the mighty word of God, you're going to see people that start talking to you about the word. I can't be around, let me just say this, I can't be around people that fill, that have a word of doubt, unbelief in their mind. I cannot be around people that just constantly bash what the word of God says or mock what the word of God says. I guard my environment and I refuse to do it. I refuse to be around them. I refuse. I'm guarding myself. I have no desire. I've got no desire to be around people like that, that don't believe God's word, that, you know, that mock God's word, mock his plan. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to fill my life with that kind of, those kinds of relationships. I'm guarding my life. I don't want people around me that if I need a miracle say, well, you know, God doesn't really do that anymore. I have no desire to have friends, acquaintances, people in my life that will literally cause me to doubt 
what God said he would do. Guard your life, guard your relationships. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, I believe it's 27:17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. One of the ways that you can guard yourself from losing a victory mindset is don't hang around losers. <laughs> oh, that sounds pretty harsh. There are people that have made up their mind to be losers in life. And it doesn't mean you don't pray for them. doesn't mean you don't believe God that they'll, you know, be blessed and they'll come to the knowledge of the truth. But let me just say, say it to you very plainly. There are people in life that have made up their mind to be losers. How do I know? Because they've made up their mind to reject God's word and to reject his promises and to disbelieve and to some to even mock, to even mock what God is doing. Well, let me tell you something. I have no business hanging out with those types of people. And if I want to be a winner, you know, I've heard people mock that. It makes me laugh. I've actually heard uh, people mock that. Like, w- w- winner? Win what? What are you trying to win? I'm trying to win at life, not take a loss. You understand? Well, the ultimate win, brother, is going to heaven. Yes, it is. But it's also, if you have that covenant with Christ, you don't have to suffer while you're on the earth. And I'm not talking about persecution from wicked people that Jesus prophesied would come to the believer. You'll be hated all over the, uh, the world for my name's sake. If they hated me, they'll hate you. I'm not talking about persecution by wicked anti-God, anti-Christ people. I'm talking about suffering with things that Jesus redeemed you from on the cross. And you have to take those things by faith. You take them by faith. They don't come randomly. Winning, what are you trying to win at, brother? What are you trying to win? People mock that like, you know, what am I trying to win? I'm trying to live an overcoming lifestyle through the freedom of God's word and the power of his, his word, which is the most powerful force in the universe, by the way. It's far above everything else. It's even, the Bible says he, uh, one translation says he magnified his word above his name. One translation says he backed up his word by all the power of his name. So the word of God is the most powerful force there is. It's above everything else. It destroys every wicked attack of the devil. Never returns empty. Never comes back void. Always accomplishes what he sends it to do. And so let me just say to you, we say, well, what are you trying to win? People, you know, people actually say that. What are you trying to win, brother? Win of all these Christians talking about winning. What are you going to win? That's exactly what I'm going to win. I'm going to win every battle over sickness, over disease, over poverty, over lack, over depression, over anxiety, over sin, over temptation. I'm going to win. Going to win. So for every person that hears that further, what are you going to win, brother? I didn't know we were in a competition. We are in a competition. Read what Paul wrote. He's the one that said that you run this race, run that you may obtain. We're not shadow boxing. We're not beating the air. We're running that we may obtain an imperishable wreath. Paul taught. So you can win. (laughs) You can win and you can lose. Just because you've taken a loss in life before doesn't mean you have to take another one. 
Just because you had an attack that overtook you and destroyed you temporarily doesn't mean you have to take another one. Because let me tell you, you'll have plenty of opportunities to fight battles while you're on this earth. Because the devil will do his very best to fight you at every turn. And every time you make a decision that I'm going to have the promises of God manifested in my life, you start to realize the devil will say, no, you won't and try to oppose you and hinder you at every turn. But faith takes a hold of the promises of God. Faith takes a hold of the victory. Faith takes a hold of the victory. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be unto God who always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We always triumph in his name. We always triumph in his name. And the key is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth has to speak. You've got to develop a victory mindset in your life. What do I mean by that? You can't just traipse into 2021. Think, well, we'll just see how the year goes. No, you don't go to see how the year goes. You determine how it's going to go. Listen, just because of everything that's gone on in 2020, it wasn't canceled for you and it wasn't canceled for me. The blessings of God were not canceled. The power of God was not canceled. The manifestations of God were not canceled in 2020, just because of everything that's been going on with this antichrist agenda behind the scenes. It does. It cannot stop the power of God. Best year we've ever had for many of you that have written me best year you've ever had. And so you can receive the blessings of God. I've been saying this and it's, it's a good thing to continue to say and to remember it doesn't have to be well around me to be well with me. And I'd like you to write that if you would in the comments section, it doesn't have to be well around me to be well with me. Very important thought. It does not have to be well around me to be well with me. And it does not, it does not. That's why the Bible can actually say things like a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but these things will not touch you. It's the reason the Bible can say that in Psalm 91. It's the reason that the Egyptians uh, could be cursed while God's people were blessed. It's the reason that even though they were living in the same nation as the Egyptians, the Israelites could sit in their home and the plagues that were touching the nation would not touch them. Because it doesn't have to be well around you to be well with you. Amen. It doesn't have to be well around you to be well with you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Doesn't have to be well around. Put it, I see people writing it. Write it in the comments. Doesn't have to be well around me to be well with me. I'm separated from the things of this world. I'm protected from the things of this world. I'm not, I'm not bowing my knee to what's going on in this world. And so what are we doing? We're developing a victory mindset. I'm actually walking into 2021 with an expectation. And I'm not just expecting, I'm taking actions that will produce the results I'm believing God for. Actions of faith. Everything is a seed. Everything. Not just the financial things you sow. 
Every decision you make is a seed. Every action you take is a seed. The way you speak to people, the way you speak about your own life, the way that you think about things, the actions you take, the, where you choose to dedicate yourself, everything's a seed. So many people blaming stuff on the devil. He's not involved at all. Well, it's a generational curse, brother. We've been going, no, it's not. It's bad choices and learned behaviors. It's seeds that you're sowing. How is the devil going to curse whom God has already blessed? How? You tell me how. God is going to bless you and then the devil on top of God's blessing is going to choose to curse you. You can't curse what God's blessed. Balaam found that out in the Old Testament. You cannot curse what God's blessed. So explain to me how we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ that we've been seated far above all principalities, powers, every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. And God has put all things under our feet and Christ's feet, made him to be head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. That's us. Explain how that's all true. And somehow the devil still is going to manage to curse us. You can't curse what God's blessed. If you believe that with me today, according to scripture, I want you to put it in the comment section. I cannot be cursed. I cannot be cursed. I cannot. Write it in. I cannot be cursed. I refuse to be cursed. Too blessed to be cursed. Amen. I'm too blessed to be cursed. Glory to God. Far too blessed to be cursed. In Jesus name. And so I want you to see this with me today. We're developing a victory mindset. I can go into a land, see giants and say, oh yeah, they're far bigger than me. They're far stronger than me. Probably have more battle experience than I, but their protections removed from them. And they'll be like bread to me. You can be like David who said, not only am I going to fight you today, Goliath, I'm going to cut your head off and I'm telling you I'm going to cut it off. And I don't even have a sword, but I'm still telling you I'm going to cut it off. And then I'm not just going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air, but all of the Philistines, the entire Philistine army, I'm going to feed all of your flesh to the birds of the air. How do you like that? And here is a young man speaking by himself. The army's not behind him. They are hiding. If they were going to do anything, they'd have already done it. They didn't have the faith. They didn't have the ability that he had as a man after God's own heart. And he speaks and declares, I'm going to cut your head off and I've got no sword. And then when I'm done with that, I'm going to feed all of your flesh to the birds of the air, the whole army, the whole army. That's a victory mindset. Because in the natural, people would look at David and say, well, how in the world's he going to do that? I don't think he's walking in wisdom, brother. I just don't think that's wisdom. Sometimes faith will not look like wisdom in the natural realm. Faith will not always look like wisdom in the natural realm. There are things that you'll do by faith that people will say, that's foolishness. That is foolishness. Not all the time, but sometimes it will. Sometimes it will. Jesus spit into the dirt and made mud and rubbed that mud into a blind man's eyes. 
Did that look foolish? Why? Well, I don't understand, brother, why he didn't just lay hands on him. I don't understand why he didn't just speak a word. He's the master. He can do what he wants. And so it didn't, it didn't look like wisdom. Well, he's spitting. He's spitting. Now he's making mud. Now he's rubbing it on the man's face. Sometimes things you do by faith will be called foolishness by people who either don't have faith or don't have a relationship with the almighty God. Well, that seems foolish to me. Oh, I'm sure it does to you. But faith doesn't always make sense in the natural realm. Do you think it looked foolish to just march around Jericho's walls for six days and not say anything? I'm sure the people of God were being mocked mercilessly by the people of Jericho. Look at them down there walking around our walls. They'll never, they'll never breach our walls. They'll never breach our defenses. I'm sure it looked foolish for six days to obey the word of God. Oh yeah. Look at them walking around our walls. Seventh day, walk around seven times and then shout. I don't need to shout. I need to break these walls down. We need to create siege weapons. No, just shout and watch God do it. I'm sure they're all laughing up there until the walls came crumbling down. Well, that's not wisdom, brother. You look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everyone else is bowing to the statue and they're standing. Well, that's not wisdom, brother. I say live to fight another day. That's my opinion. You know, you don't have to really believe that, you know, you're worshiping the statue, but, you know, go along with it. You can live to fight another day. Why kill yourself over this small thing? That's how a lot of people would talk about it. That doesn't look like wisdom to me, brother. Doesn't look like wisdom. They did it anyway. And we're thrown into the fire and we're not burned. Faith doesn't always look like natural wisdom. Doesn't always look like natural wisdom. Yeah, there was a time that the Lord spoke to my wife and I to sow every single dollar that we had in any account that we had. There was like three accounts we had to empty, put them all into one to write a check and sow it into the kingdom. We were getting ready to do one of the largest things we'd ever done in the ministry. And the Lord spoke to us and said, Sow everything you have in your accounts. Everything. We got a family. We got a house. We got. Well, brother, that doesn't look like wisdom to me. I'd think again about doing that, you know, because, you know, you want to use wisdom. Yeah, the greatest wisdom that you can have. In fact, the book of Proverbs says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So to fear him is to obey him. That's to reverently awe and respect him. And if he said it, I'm going to do it. And we knew that the Lord had spoken to us and we, when he spoke, we didn't get upset about it. We didn't get mad. We obeyed. We wrote one check. We put it in the offering and we rejoiced in doing it. Every single dollar gone. Well, that doesn't seem like wisdom. No, it was faith. And faith doesn't always look like natural wisdom. You have to get that out of your mind because you will have family members that will mock you. You'll have family members that'll try to talk you out of faith actions and say, well, you should probably just think about it again. You know, that's not what faith doesn't always look like natural wisdom. Sometimes you're just stepping out and believing God that he'll do what he said he'd do. And there might be people that talk you out of it. Don't listen to the naysayers. Let me give you a word that will, I'm about to drop a bomb on you. That's going to change your entire life forever. 
when you're ready. And I want you to put it in the comments section too. Two things. And this is going to blow your mind. And it's going to free you. It'll, it'll free you. Hey, Terry. This is, going to, this is about to free you. Get ready for this. First, never take constructive criticism from people who have never constructed anything. That's the first one. These, are, these two are going to set you free from the rest of your life, for, for the rest of your life. Never take constructive criticism from people who haven't constructed anything. <laughs> well, let me give you some constructive criticism. You haven't built anything yourself. Why would I listen to you? You haven't built anything. You've not done anything. A lot of armchair quarterbacks out in the body of Christ. A lot of armchair quarterbacks. Isn't it always funny to me? Some guy with his belly hanging out of his shirt with Cheetos crumbs on his mouth, sitting in his armchair with his Diet Coke. I wouldn't have thrown that pass if I were him. You You couldn't last a second in the NFL. You can't even run a 40. I wouldn't have made that call if I were the coach. You ain't the coach. You've not constructed anything. You're not in position to give advice. Never take constructive criticism from people who haven't constructed anything. It's just common sense, but apparently people are doing it anyway. They're taking all this. I'd like to have some constructive criticism. Why? They don't know anything about it. They haven't done anything in life. That right there should set your mind free because there'll be a lot of people that will give you unsolicited constructive criticism. (laughs) Unsolicited constructive criticism. Let me give you another one. This is is similar, but this is on your part now because a lot of times, like I said, that construct, that quote unquote constructive criticism will come unsolicited from people that just want to talk in your ear. Well, let me give you some constructive criticism, brother. Keep it. I don't need it. If I wanted it, I would have asked you for it. I don't need it. I have people that I'm looking to for advice and criticism, and it ain't you. (laughs) I came into a church one time, and sometimes I come late on purpose because let me tell you, yes, of course, Andrew. Of course we should be open to correction, but not from everybody. That's the point. Not from everybody. From people that have the ability to correct you and are in position to correct you. I don't take correction from everybody. That would be a very stupid thing to do. Very stupid. I walked into a church one time and I come, I come late on purpose sometimes because, you know, I don't want people to say something stupid to me when I'm walking in and they just like bother my spirit and then I end up preaching on it. So sometimes I'll just come late on purpose. And I'm coming through the lobby and here's this guy, no lie. Here's this guy standing in the lobby. He's got on overalls with like a, a plaid farmer shirt, overalls, grass-stained shoes. He's missing teeth. 
He's missing teeth standing there out in the lobby and, tra- and stops me coming into the service. Hey, brother, let me just lay hands on you and pray for you before you preach tonight and ask God to anoint you. I'm thinking, brother, if I need to depend on your prayers, and I'm sure there's people that will listen to this and be like, well, that's very prideful of you, brother Ted, to act like that. No, it's called common sense. If I need to depend on the prayers of a toothless, overall-wearing, grass-stained shoe farmer to have the anointing to preach my message that God gave me, they've got the wrong preacher in that church. Let me just lay hands on you, brother. No, there's a reason that you will be in the pew listening and I will be speaking. It's because the lesser does not impart to the greater. So are you saying you're greater than that man? In the things of God, yes. That's how it works. That's how it works. Do you think the disciples were imparting to Jesus, teaching him, correcting him, or do you think he was imparting to them and correcting them? Do you think Timothy was instructing Paul and imparting to Paul, or do you think Paul was imparting to him and instructing him? (laughs) People crack me up. Well, brother, you know, uh, I'd like to just lay my hands on you. Why? What are you going to give me that I don't already have? I'm sure Romeo Brown's got some issues with that on Periscope. That's okay. You, if I was going to take correction, it would be from somebody who's already doing what I'm doing and doing it at a much greater level than I'm doing it. Think, think about this with a logical brain. If I'm a fourth grade student, am I going to sit down and explain mathematics to my teacher or are they going to explain it to me? It's how it works. The Bible teaches that in the book of Hebrews. It's the greater that imparts to the lesser, not the other way around. Yes, you should take correction. And yes, you should be humble. And with humility, receive correction. But from the right people, not the wrong people. Don't take constructive criticism from anybody that hasn't constructed anything. Let me give you another one that'll help you for the rest of your life. Never ask someone for advice or, or excuse me, never take criticism from someone from whom you would not ask advice. Put that in the comments. Never take criticism from someone from whom you would never ask advice. You see what I mean? If you're, if you're thinking about investing some money in the stock market, would you go downtown into a a major city of this nation, find a, a, a homeless person that's living under a cardboard box on the street and sit down with them and say, listen, I was thinking about doing some investing this year. And, uh, I was just wondering if you could give me some advice on uh, my portfolio and, uh, some of your stock tips Uh, that you might have for this upcoming year. No, you're not going to do that. Nobody with a brain is going to do that. You know why? They don't know. They don't know. So if that same person 
who came into my office and was like, let me tell you something. I don't agree with some of the investments you've made this year. Okay, why do I care whether you agree or not? It's the same way I feel about many, many Christians who all feel like they have the same voice because now social media has given everybody the same level of voice because they can all make a post on social media that we're not all the same. We're not all the same. The same, you, you could have uh, six people commenting on the same uh, thing. They're not all qualified to make comments on the same thing. And it makes me laugh that people don't get this. But, you know, I've never gotten upset because my, uh, uh, some doctor or some hospital that I've been to has never allowed me to come in and make a diagnosis. You know, you guys have never once called me to come in and diagnose a patient and I'm ticked off. I'm a human being just like you. I'm not qualified to make a diagnosis. And there's a lot of people in the body of Christ who are unqualified to make spiritual diagnoses. of your life or anybody else's life makes me laugh. People that don't even have their own life together want to correct you on how you're doing your life. (laughs) I'm helping you because if you're going to have a victory mindset, you have to break free from all of this uh, weight that you feel because people have negative things to say about the choices you're making in God. That's why I'm dealing with this last, because here's what screws a lot of people up. They get to a place where they want to do what the Lord's called them to do. They want to have a a victory. They want to walk in victory, but they got all these people around them saying stupid stuff and the people don't even have their own lives together. And they want to comment on how you're doing your life and how you're obeying God in your own personal vision. Just put your blinders on, keep your eyes on what God's called you to do and let those people, all those that have unsolicited opinions about your life that want to give you correction and say, well, brother, I just wanted to speak to you because I, you know, I, I love you. Love me from afar and keep your opinions to yourself unless I ask you for them. Yes, of course. That's what the Bible teaches, Romeo. In summary, seek someone higher than you. Of course, someone, it's the same thing you would do. If you were, if you were going to become a plumber or an electrician, you would not apprentice with someone who has never done electrician work or plumbing. You apprentice with somebody who's a, a much better than you at that thing. You don't go asking advice from somebody. You know, if you're a surgeon and you want to get advice on, on doing surgeries, you don't go ask an electrician. Hey, what do you think about uh, removing tumors? Uh, I don't know. Never removed one. That's exactly how it works. Impartation flows from the top down, not from the bottom up. It makes me laugh that people can't seem to understand this, so much so that I wrote an entire book on it called Further Faster. It's about how to have impartation in your life and how to receive it and accelerate your purpose via the force of impartation. People don't get it. Well, I think we're all on the same level, brother. No, we're not. Exactly. Wilson quoting Ace Ventura, pet detective, who was also quoting Star Trek. It's a double quote. Excellent job. Yeah, exactly, Terry. Exactly. Thank you, Justin. 
And so I want you to hear this today. Two things that'll set you free on your way to this victory mindset is number one, never take constructive criticism from someone who hasn't constructed anything. And number two, never take criticism from people from whom you wouldn't ask advice. Why, why would I do that? Why would I do that? It's mind blowing. So you have to guard your mind. If you don't guard your mind, if you don't control your mind, it'll control you. It will control you. And you have to make a decision. That's what today's all about. One of the most important, you can, yes, you can, Deborah. Amazon, Apple Books, Kindle, whatever. The reason, Jessica says, question, if they're, if they're a person not in a position to give advice, can they pray in their own time or can that still impact you? What does that mean? If they're a person not in a position to give advice, can they pray in their own time or can that still impact you? I don't, nobody can pray against your purpose. God's not going to answer those prayers. If that's what you're asking, somebody doesn't agree with what you're doing. So they pray that, you know, it doesn't come to pass. If God called you to do it, Nobody can pray against your purpose and God answer their prayers. He's the one who created your purpose. He sets you on that course. That's why the book of Hebrews says, let us run the race that is set before us. Who set it before us? God did. So God's not going to cancel his plans that he made for your life because somebody else is mad about it. Well, I just don't think they should be doing that. So I'm going to pray against it. Pray all you want. Pray till you're blue in the face. It's not going to change God's purpose. Somebody might be mad that I'm an evangelist, mad that I'm traveling and preaching. They don't like the way that I preach. You can pray until you're blue in the face. God's not going to revoke, you know, the fact that he called me to be an evangelist. He's not going to remove his anointing that he placed on my life to preach the gospel because somebody doesn't like it and prays against it. Doesn't work that way. The Bible says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He doesn't take them back once he doles them out. And that's how it works. So let the heathen rage. You know, if people are praying against God's plans anyway, they've got serious problems. If somebody's more interested in praying against what's going on in your life than they are about living their own, they have serious mental problems, serious mental problems. People have gotten, they're like supernatural busybodies. I just won't rest until I figure out what she's trying to do with her. It's like deal with your own life run your own race, stay in your own lane. And one of the things we have to do as believers, if we're going to develop this kind of a mindset of victory for this upcoming year is that we have to learn, have to learn how to guard our mind, guard our heart and develop in our home, a mindset of victory. That's why it's important. You keep joy in your home, keep peace in your home. Listen to me. So this is so important. Anything in your life that is messing with your joy, messing with your peace, would you please do me a favor and just cut it out of your life? For crying out loud, cut it out of your life. If it's messing with your joy, if it's messing with your peace, cut it out of your life. Just do it. Well, I've known the person for a long time. Good, stop knowing them. Doesn't mean you stop praying for them, stop loving them. Love them from afar. Love them from afar. It's not worth allowing your peace and joy to be destroyed 
to allow those things to stay. Stop letting them stay. Stop allowing them to remain in your life and then be all, I never have peace, I never have joy. Yeah, because you allow things in that steal your peace and joy. Don't do that. Don't do that. There were things, uh, there have been many things in my life and, and people even that I've now, I now keep at a distance because I can't, I can't deal with it. I'm not dealing with it. My life is too short and precious. My calling is too important to sit around and spend the majority of my life dealing with other people's drama. I'm not doing it. I refuse to do it. I refuse to do it. And you need to refuse to do it. If you know people that all they do is constantly get involved with drama, they're not even happy unless there's some kind of drama going on. Jersey Shore Christians. For those of you that are overseas, may not understand that reference, Google it. Jersey Shore Christians. Not happy, not satisfied, unless there's some kind of drama going on. Get them out of your life. Keep them at a distance. Doesn't mean you stop loving them, stop talking to them. But I would definitely limit the amount of time I give a person like that. If it does, let me just say something. If it doesn't bring me joy, it's out of my life. If it doesn't bring me joy like this coffee that I'm drinking right here, that I ordered from Tyler, Texas, by way of Ethiopia, or Mexico. Mm. Yes. If it doesn't bring me joy, it's out. It's out of my life. Life's too short. Your purpose is too important to allow things in. People always ask the same questions when I say stuff like this. What if it's my mom or dad? What if it's my husband or wife? What if it's my kid? There comes a time where you have to learn how to guard your own life, guard your own house. If you do, you watch and see how much joy and peace you generate. We've dealt with it on the broadcast. I generate my own joy. I'm going to pray for you here in a minute. I generate my own joy. Why? Because if I don't, I'll have to wait on life events to make me happy. And I refuse to do that. I'm not going to wait until the news is good. I'm not going to wait until everything's lined up in the world because it never will be. If there wasn't bad news, they wouldn't have news. You ever notice that? There's never like good news. Every believer that's filled with the Holy Ghost has the gift of prophecy, Romeo. Every believer. Prophecy is a gift of the Spirit and it comes from the Holy Spirit. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the gift of prophecy within you as a believer that can be activated whenever the Spirit wills. And so I want to pray for you in a moment. Yeah, sing the song. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And I refuse to let it be stolen by bad reports, by people that don't have their life together, drama. I refuse. I guard my joy and you should guard yours as well. Let me pray for you because understand what we're doing. We're putting ourselves in position for the best year we've ever had. And I'm dealing with this. Know what you're called to do, number one. Number two, streamline your life by getting rid of distractions. Every obstacle, every hindrance that stands in front of you, get rid of it. 
and get ready to run with momentum this race that's set before you. And then number three we dealt with today, understand that you must guard your mind, your heart. You've got to remove anything that steals joy, anything that steals peace. You've got to learn how to speak with a victory mindset. Speak faith. Speak faith every day. You need to generate, you know, that's why we did it for the kids, Miracle Word Kids. We released the confession for the Miracle Word Kids. I'm powerful. I'm wealthy. I'm wise. I'm mighty. I have honor. I have glory. I have blessing. Seven things from Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12 that we declare over our children and have them declare it every single day. And the reason we're teaching them to confess the word over their life, you've got to confess the word. It brings power. It brings power. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. There's an overcoming power in confessing the word of God. That's why, by the way, God told Joshua, take this book of the law and don't let it depart from your mouth, not from your mind, from your mouth. Then meditate on it day and night. So you be careful to observe and do all that's written therein. You see? Don't let it depart from where? Your mouth. Confess the word. Confess the word. Confess the word. Confess the word on a daily basis. And God will bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, let the fire of the Holy Ghost come upon every one of us as we're getting ready to transition into a new year, into a new season. We thank you that the strength and power of your spirit is coming upon us. And from this day forward, we're moving mightily towards this new year. We thank you. You're not done with this year, 2020. We've got more blessings to receive. We've got more things to see happen. We thank you. Violent increase is ours. Expedited favor is ours in the mighty name of Jesus. We will not miss what you have planned for us in this final one month and uh, 20 days or so. Of remaining in this year, we will walk in the victory in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for it. We give you honor and glory and praise in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, somebody shout a loud amen, throw some hands, throw some fire up in the comment section. Let me know you believe it today and that you're getting ready to walk into the best year you've ever had in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Jonathan, thank you for sowing a seed. I appreciate it. There's a powerful praise and worship leader right there. I say. <laughs> Love you. Anybody that wants to follow Jonathan's example today and sow a seed, thank you for sowing $300. I appreciate that. It means a lot. We're touching this world with the gospel of Christ. Very easy to do. You can do what Jonathan did and put hashtag donate in the comments section. If you're on Twitter, Periscope, or Facebook, if not, and you'd like to use Cash App or Venmo, the username is MWGive. On Venmo, it's at MWGive. On Cash App, dollar sign MWGive, if you're in the United States. If you'd like to use PayPal, our email is there on the screen, info at MiracleWord.com. The easiest way to sow a seed is to go to MiracleWord.com, click the Give page, and sow a seed today. You can give by credit or debit card as well. If you'd like to mail a check the old-fashioned way, our mailing address is at the bottom of every page of our website, and you can send a check, and then sometime uh, within the next four to five months, we'll be able to deposit that, thanks to the U.S. Postal Service 
who we now know is as corrupt as can be. After this election, we have found out there is corruption in the United States Postal Service. Whistleblowers all over, postmasters, backdating votes that came in. It's been proven with witnesses that are willing to testify. Corrupt. I wouldn't use them if I were you. I would use the website, but that's just me. That is just me. Uh, If you'd like to partner with us on a monthly basis, you can do that very easily at miracleword.com. And we'll say thank you for doing that for every person this month. So on that $85 or more, my friend, Pastor Joel Stockstill has written a great book entitled The Power of Daily Bible Reading. It's our gift to you for the month of November. And if you'd like to receive this gift after you've sown your seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Fill out the form so that we do have your address and can send it to you, mail it to you, uh, so we know exactly where to send it. We're not mind readers. And so please do that. As well as those that are sowing largely. Those that are sowing $1,000 or more to the ministry, I'm going to add on top of that, uh, well, at least for the, for the next two to three people that do it, and that's all that we have left of these. This is the hardcover limited edition, Further Faster, uh, with a dust jacket. We did this as a special edition of the book. We've never done a hardcover before, but now we have. And this will be my gift to you as well as the Life Application Study Bible. All of it, our gift to you to say thank you. Also, don't forget, coming up at the end of this month, the brand new course on supernatural prosperity. Throw the slide up if you would. The new prosperity course, which launches on, what day is that? The 23rd of November. And so, uh, you can go and become a member of Miracle Word University for free by just creating an account. But then we have courses within the university. This is the new one that's getting ready to be released. We're filming it now. Divine Prosperity, Walking in Supernatural Financial Abundance. It's coming out very soon. And then we have also, on top of that, four other courses that are available for you. uh, And they're also available as a bundle. Mountain Moving Faith, Answered Prayer, Divine Healing, Pneumatology 1. And you can get involved with all those. Literally, only $69. Uh, Thank you, Christopher. Appreciate that. Uh, Only $69 per course. What we're offering all four of these for only $199. That's 28% off uh, to get all 20 hours of teaching in four courses. So it's a great deal. And uh, it'll build your faith. It'll put you in position to do what God's called you to do. And uh, I'm very excited about Miracle Word University. I can't see, I can't wait to see uh, everything that we have uh, available for the upcoming year. And um, so I'm looking forward to that. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us today. And uh, I'll be back again tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m. It's going to be a great, great day. Have a powerful day today. Oh, yeah, that's right. My father is in Detroit, Michigan, Livonia, Michigan. And um, if you want to get the details of where he's at, if you're anywhere close, um, go to tedshuttlesworth.com. Check out the schedule page. Uh, He's there in Livonia, Michigan this week. You don't want to miss it. Powerful services I watched last night. God is moving all over America. Go be a part of a revival in person. When they tell you they're trying to shut you down and lock you down and quarantine you, go get in revival. Watch what God will do. 
Love you guys, man. Thanks for hanging today. I'll see you again tomorrow morning, 1030. Have a powerful day. I'll see you later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.